Hey, Pete, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Doing great. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk about uh, being in the media and covering the Washington Nationals and being a Washingtonian uh, sports fanatic. Um, so let's just sort of dive right into the, my first question. Like, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? Um, did you listen to sports radio growing up? Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, Ken Beatrice, who uh, used to, he was the first guy in town pretty much along with, uh, at one point, Phil Wood and Bernie Smilovitz did a show on WTOP. Ken was doing a show on WMAL. And, I mean, I was eight years old uh, calling into Ken's show and also calling Ken in the office as he encouraged listeners, if you can't get through, call me in the office. And he would give his his office number. uh, And sure enough, uh, he would pick up the phone. I'd call him about 4.30 in the afternoon, uh, and he would uh, definitely pick up the phone, and he would answer the questions. And... um, that that's you know from the time I was five it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do and uh, I was very lucky uh, growing up just outside of DC in Anne Arundel County Southern Anne Arundel County and uh, you know for the most part uh, you know I, I grew up five years old reading the Washington Post uh, every morning reading the sports section before uh, I would go to school and uh, it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do I was lucky enough uh, Dave Johnson who of course calls the Wizards games and DC United. And uh, works at WTOP, gave me a job at WNAV in Annapolis, uh, 20 hours a week, doing a high school sports show from a little tiny booth inside their station uh, over in Annapolis. And uh, from then on, uh, we've been off and running. Uh, Definitely lucky. Uh, You know, you don't get this far without having some uh, good luck come your way. And obviously, uh, you know, getting all the way to this level with 106.7 The Fan, open the door for the Nationals and uh, I'd already been doing uh, games for the Naval Academy since uh, 1998. So uh, the, the relationship with 106.7, the fans certainly opened a door uh, to do some games with Charlie and Dave with the Nationals. And, uh, you know, I consider myself uh, to be one of the luckiest people on planet Earth to have done games in that World Series year and uh, ended up with a World Series ring as a result. And, you know, here we are uh, hoping for baseball. Saw Davy jo- or Davy Martinez on a Zoom call today, and mm-hmm. uh, we're hoping hoping spring training is ready to go uh, in February. Yeah, for sure. We're, when you were growing up and starting um, your radio show, were people like, "Man, Pete, you have like the perfect voice and like the perfect pitch," or was it kind of like just pr- working really hard, or like maybe a combination of both? You know, I, I think I've. I mean, for lack of better. You know, uh, you know, I've been pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there weren't a lot of people that got after me after my voice, uh, you know, when I was younger. So, I mean, I've been pretty, you know, I, I think the thing that really, you know, helped me, believe it or not, I worked drive through at McDonald's is my first job. Wow. And, and working that drive through speaker uh, clearly gave me a chance to uh, talk in a way that I was going to have to talk uh, on the radio. And as a result, uh, I think that had as much uh, to do as anything because I—that's the way I talked when I you pulled up to the speaker. <laughs> I wasn't just going to take your order. 
I was welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order, please? So, uh, you know, nothing like being 16 years old, being on the drive through speaker, uh, progressing quickly through uh, burgers and fries, I might add, uh, to get to that drive through speaker. And, um, you know, I've been pr- been pretty lucky. I mean, I've been, you know, every now and then you get some, uh, you know, some you see some voice exercises and throat exercises and stuff that you experiment with a little bit just to, you know, try to keep your voice from uh, having an issue. So uh, from that standpoint, um, you know, I didn't really have that big of uh, a big of a adjustment uh, for my voice, no formal training or anything mm. like that uh, outside of just, you know, learning how to talk in front of people in speech class uh, in high school. I had the best speech teacher on planet Earth, um, the late Paul Vandenberg at Southern High School in Anne Arundel County. He was phenomenal. Uh, and really, you know, he told me when I was in 10th grade, he said, hey, he goes, you're, you're, you're different <laughs> because I didn't mind getting up in front of the class. Nobody, uh, you know, when you're in high school, nobody wants to get up in front of the class, course, man. Yeah. I was, I was ready to come up in front of the class. You know, give me a pulpit. Uh, I'd walk around the room while I was talking. Uh, it didn't matter. I, I didn't mind the, the public speaking thing. And, and I think that's a lot of it. When I talk to a lot of young uh, announcers out there, I tell them just as Frank Herzog told me the, the guy that used to do the Redskins and, and the bullets, uh, you know, for several years when I was growing up, he came to our board of education in Anne Arundel County on Reaver Road when I was 16. He said, either you can do this or you can't. Either you can, either you're very comfortable talking and talking in front of people or you're not, mm. um, you know, and, and, and it's true because a lot of people want to do it. But then when they have to actually sit there and talk and uh, talk in front of people, um, sometimes people are a little uh, squeamish about that. <laughs> so either it, it, it's very true. Either you can, t- either you're comfortable talking in front of people, uh, or you're not. And um, unfortunately for for some, they don't make the adjustment. Some do, and, and obviously they end up uh, having a, a very good career as a result. You kind of um, were talking a little bit about um, my. You kind of like a perfect segue to my next question. Like, how do you take care of your like voice? I know like people, you know. is hot tea something that you do um you know what happens when like you get sick i mean like your the your your money makers your voice no doubt uh in the rare occasions and that's another thing knock on wood you know Mm -hmm. i i I haven't been the only couple of times i can ever remember in all the years i've been doing it um for me it's honey uh you know and i'll even i'll even go uh, you know, I'll go buy a bottle of honey and I'll just, I'll just drink straight honey, uh, mm-hmm. put it on my throat. Um, you know, if I'm, I yeah, stop it. Every time I stop at Royal farms to get something to drink, I'll grab a couple of spare honey packets that they have there just in case my throat starts to get sore ever at any time. I got something that I can at least, uh, you know, grab, uh, I keep it in my bag just so I can have it in case I need it. But that's usually the thing, uh, that has worked best. Uh, for me through the years, um, you know, every now and then I'll drink, you know, every t- when somebody tells you if it's really bad to drink tea and stuff like that, and I'll put honey in that. But uh, usually it's either that uh, Halls or Ricola. Uh, and that gets me uh, usually back in the game uh, pretty quickly. So uh, but definitely honey is the one thing that I found that seems to be a pretty consistent thing uh, that works out in situations like that. 
That's awesome. Um, so besides being on 106.7 The Fin, um, you're also the voice of uh, Navy football on the Navy uh, radio network. What's that like? And, you know, I think this year was such a unique year going up to West Point and having that type of atmosphere. Um, did you travel this year up to West Point or? You know, we you did. Had- yeah, that was mm-hmm. the only away game that we actually did on the road. Everything cool. else we did from our stadium. Uh, so. Uh, that was the only road game we actually went to. We had to take a COVID test. All of our members of the broadcast crew, we took a COVID test on Thursday uh, before the game and made our way up to West Point. And, you know, I'll say this. Uh, the, the, the cadets at Army, the midshipmen at Navy, and I would include any other, uh, you know, Air Force, obviously, the, the, they played football this year, but even all the other service academies, you know, Coast mm-hmm. Guard Academy and, Merchant Marine. Uh, this has been one of those years where there hasn't been as much liberty available to those students and student athletes as there is normally. Uh, that what they have done and their perseverance uh, through uh, thick and thin, as I like to call it here, uh, because of this pandemic, because you just didn't know from one day to the next what it was going to present. Yeah, um, those kids are truly resilient, and what they were able to do uh, despite this pandemic to play ten football games at Army and Navy. Uh, was simply incredible. That atmosphere Saturday with the fog and I mean, it was just per- it was perfect. If you're if you were someone trying to draw up a scene, this was this was the perfect uh, se- setting because you had fog coming in off the Hudson and uh, it was a night. It turned into a night game, obviously, because it wasn't ki- it didn't kick off until three o'clock. You had the president in attendance. Uh, it was just you know alongside you know four thousand co- you know members of the corps, four thousand members of the brigade. It made for a really good atmosphere on Saturday. Uh, and just unfortunately for Navy, they didn't get the result they were looking for. But that perseverance that you see uh, from those kids, and, and you know, those are, the, those are the future leaders of our country. Those are the future protectors of our freedom. You would expect nothing less, less from them in a situation like that. I have to admit, I did not catch the Army-Navy game this year. I usually do plant myself in front of the television um, with a good beer um, and, you know, watch the game. I think it's one of the best games, um, football games in the country, you know, year after year. And, I, and I, what was, what's like, what is it like normally in a non-COVID world, like going up to Philadelphia, et cetera? Yeah, there's no doubt. The, uh, the environment, the atmosphere, for anybody that's never attended, you have to, you, you should try and do it at least once. I know it's a very tough ticket to get, but uh, the fact that, you know, you have the march on, the flyover, usually a lot of dignitaries uh, that are there in attendance. Plus, the, the stadium is always sold out. Um, it's, it's truly one of the more special environments in sports. Being a part of it, I think we think it's even more special than maybe uh, most people do. But I think the, the Auburn, Alabama, USC, UCLA, mm-hmm. Michigan, Ohio State people, uh, would tell you the exact same thing about their respective rivalries. But as I always like to put it uh, in perspective, 99.9% of the kids you see in that stadium, either in the stands or on the field, are going to protect our freedom when the game is over. Very rarely you have a kid like Malcolm Perry, who was our quarterback last year, who uh, gets to go through and, and play in the National Football League like he is right now for the Miami Dolphins. So most of those kids, that's their last football game. Mm-hmm.
Cool. Um, so let's go talk. Let's let's talk about covering the Nationals. So uh, before I start, are you? I'm, I'm assuming you're a baseball fan, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I okay. played baseball growing up, uh, and uh, clearly, uh, clearly a big baseball fan, no doubt. Awesome. And then you know, definitely growing up in this area, you you your favorite team is the. Well, growing up during that time, yeah. uh, obviously I paid attention to the Orioles uh, growing up, but my favorite team was the Atlanta Braves Oh, wow. because, you know, uh, that was like our first exposure to, you know, with the Superstation and uh, stuff like that. Uh, I always rooted for the Braves because I love the little tiny cursive A on their jerseys, uh, Biff Pocaroba, uh, who was a catcher for them uh, growing up and you know, one of the first things I saw as a kid was Henry Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. So I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And he played for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was, you know, a lot of things that uh, had me migrate that way. Uh, played third base. I like Bob Horner uh, growing up. Uh, he was a third baseman for the Braves at that time. You know, Dale Murphy, uh, you know, Pascal Perez, a lot of terrific players uh, for the Braves at that time that were recognizable. Uh, Rick Mailer. Uh, who was a pitcher for them. So you, you, you got behind them. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we eventually got a National League team here mm-hmm. uh, in D.C. And uh, literally, because I've always been a D.C. sports fan, literally the moment uh, that uh, D.C. got a baseball team, it was bye-bye Atlanta and hello Washington, uh-huh. uh, even, even though uh, it was a bit of a struggle at first for the franchise. Um, it was a Washington team. We were going to root for it. And sure enough, uh, they, they gave us uh, a lot of glory finally in 2019. That's for sure. Um, so I grew up in New York and I grew up uh, rooting for the Mets. And then when I moved down, um, I was like, okay, I'm shedding my Mets skin. I'm going to be rooting for the home team, <laughs> DC, the Nationals. And, um, you know, I've been, I went to games at RFK. I've, you know, been to multiple opening days. I've been to every like Nats playoff game. So, you know, I was at Max Scherzer's uh, sick, um, strikeout record um, against the Tigers. You know, been there. I was there for Jason Wirtz walk off. So it's just been a, a magical experience just rooting for a great team. So just like maybe give can you give us a listener some like looks behind the curtain of like tell tell us like what it's like covering this team. I mean, also your native Washingtonian area. So like it must be like really amazing for you and have like that uh, additional like special, special feelings to it. No question. I I have so many people that I went to school with and everything who reach out all the time saying either, Hey, I, I, you know, was listening to you on the Navy game. I was listening to one Oh six, seven, the fan. And so many people were reaching out to me when I was broadcasting the nationals games. And my biggest fear was when you, when you are normally substituting for one of the announcers, because what would happen, Bob would take time off. Dave would move over to TV and I would join Charlie on the radio. Well, normally, because we have such a good radio team here, Charlie and Dave are one of the top pairs in all of Major League Baseball. When you're replacing one of those people, especially now in this age of social media where people instantaneously can voice their opinion, (laughs) you're scared to death that they're going to be like, oh, this guy sucks. He's no Dave (laughs) Jagler, you know, because Dave, Dave, Charlie and Dave are great. So my biggest fear was I could have been I could have been fantastic. I could have done everything perfect and and felt really good about it. But all it takes is for you to scroll Twitter and see one person go, oh, this guy sucks. And you're like, oh, (laughs) man, you know, that would have ruined the whole thing. But I mean, Nats fans were incredibly gracious uh, during that time. And I was 
you know, I, I was blown away by the amount of support uh, that there was. But you also realize, too, by how many people reached out, the great audience that Charlie and Dave have built up. And uh, you respect that work so much, uh, what they do. It's a free education for me. And I'm sure it is for other young potential broadcasters every night when they listen to those two guys, because they're two of the most uh, incredibly gifted broadcasters. But, you know, when you like you said, when you go behind the curtain and you see the way they prepare. So you you know what you have to uh, do uh, in terms of matching that quality. So you have to develop your own qualities of preparation uh, using a lot of the same tools that they do, fortunately. Uh, and, and the two of them, and look, I mean, more often than not, we have people and I, almost every person I've ever come across, whether, uh, you know, great conversations I've had with Vern Lundquist, who was a great idol of mine growing up. Uh, and, you know, I was able to spend some time. He's the, he's been the MC for the American athletic conference media days, the last couple of years and being able to, you know, have what I call significant conversations with him, not the, Hey, how are you? Good to see you type deal where it lasts 90 seconds. Um, being able to spend time with people like Vern and, and people like Charlie and Dave to see, their preparation, uh, great gift to work with Bob Sosi at Navy before he uh, took the New England Patriots job on a full-time basis. Uh, Bob taught me an incredible gift about preparation. Uh, you know, people, a lot of people think you just show up at the game, sit down, put the headset on, and boom, off you go. Well, there's mm -hmm. a lot more to it uh, that, than just doing that. And all of those people and, and countless others that I've, uh, you know, been able to pick things off of, you know, Twitter, uh, guys like Tim Brando, Wes Durham, uh, who's the voice of the Falcons in the Atlantic Coast Conference for the ACC Network and the SPN. So uh, you, you just try to pick as much as you can from different people. But like I said, Charlie and Dave are, are incredibly gifted at what they do. But more importantly, they don't mind sharing it. Uh, I think there's probably a very small faction of our business who is very territorial about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know how open they would be to somebody else coming in because they're, you know, uh, it's their job. You're kind of invading their territory. Charlie and Dave are not like that. They're as, they're as gracious as can possibly be. Bob and FP were uh, as well. Uh, I mean, they're just, they're four of the nicest people that you could uh, come across uh, and, and have to do this experience with. And uh, I was just very lucky to be the guy that was asked to fill in. Ironically, my audio tape, that I sent to them for that. Uh, I was doing the Cal Ripken world series and I did a game between Mexico and Japan. Mm -hmm. So I, I sent that as my audio tape and uh, Charlie said, Charlie says, yeah, you're, you're doing Mexico and Japan. Like you've been following them all year and uh, things of that nature and stuff. So wow. uh, it was, it, it was, it's just, it's funny what gets you your job sometimes uh, and the audio that you use, but Hey, I, it was good audio. It was clear audio. So I said, Hey, let me, let me take a chance. Uh, because I've, I've done some Bay Sox games over on WNAV in Annapolis. So it's not like I hadn't done uh, baseball before, but uh, the quality of the audio for this Mexico Japan game was so good. I'm like, man, this is probably my best shot. Let's use this. Yeah. Uh, and fortunately, uh, fortunately the folks at the nationals and Charlie and Dave were, uh, were, were very welcoming and, um, you know, I got to do 15 games that year, uh, in the world series season. It was, uh, awesome. it, it turned out to be awesome. No, no doubt. Um, so like you start, like if you're doing a seven Oh five game, what time are you getting to the stadium or, you know, like, 
what time are you pulling your notes? Kind of pull that a little, like a little timeline for, for our listeners. Yeah. Ironically enough, all of my games were on the road with the exception of one. Um, I did one game at home, but no. Yeah. I did one game at home. No, there are actually all the games I did were on the road. Uh, I filled in for Jerome doing the PA uh, at home a couple of times, Mm. but, um, but those games were on the road. So, you know, at the hotel uh, during the day, you know, probably starting around 10, uh, you know, you, you start to go over stuff and, and write some things down. And uh, once the lineups are official, uh, then you can really get specific about what you're looking for. Uh, as we usually got to the ballpark around 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock, somewhere in there, uh, depending on what time the buses were leaving to go to the stadium. Cincinnati, we were so close to the uh, – the hotel was so close to the stadium, we could basically walk uh, to the ballpark. Pittsburgh was the same thing. But uh, that that preparation process is is usually starting late morning, um, and and goes with you off and on to the time you get to the ballpark because, you know you you can't you you have an idea certainly with your starting pitchers your relievers mm-hmm. you know who is pretty much going to be in the lineup but you know every now and then you get a wrinkle thrown at you so you you make adjustments on the fly once you see what the actual official lineup is going to be but the good thing is. You do a lot of preparation work at the beginning of the series, so then you've only got to modify th- things as the series goes along. But that beginning of the series, in particular, is where a lot of the heavy work um, gets done because you're preparing for an entirely new team uh, as you pull into a uh, pull into a new city. Gotcha. And I, I don't think you know people. That's the one thing I, I I only did. I did two two city road trips with them. And I can only imagine what it's like when they do like a three city road trip and you're gone, you know, for 10, 11, 12 days or something like that. I mean, that's a grind. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a, that's a lifestyle in itself that you, you have to be accepting of, and you have to have uh, family and support staff around you that are supportive of that as well. I mean, the folks at 1067, the fan and my boss, Chris Kiner there were very supportive. Uh, knowing that I could take time off from being an anchor there to go on the road and, and do those games and uh, incredibly supportive. And that's, to me, that's the only way. Uh, baseball is by far, by far, uh, you know, the toughest, I think, of all the sports because of the 162-game schedule plus playoffs. Because you got to remember, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Washington's been a pretty consistent uh, playoff contender, uh, you know, from about 2010 on. So there was, you know, many of those seasons you had extra games as well. So it, it takes a, it takes a lot. I got so much respect for anybody that does baseball as a sport. I mean, football, you get 16 games and uh, playoffs. If you're lucky in the NFL college, we get 12 regular season games plus a bowl game. You know, that's, that's one game a week, man, that you, yeah. you know, you, you can pl- put your whole week into preparation time. Baseball, man, you're playing every day uh, for the most part, very few days off during the course of the season. And uh, that's why that's why I have such a great respect for baseball broadcasters, because to be able to do it and do it consistently every night for one hundred and sixty two games, it's uh, it's truly an extraordinary skill. Yeah. Watching all those games. I remember last year um, as much as I was, I mean, obviously happy that the Nats won. But then after there was no baseball, I realized that I actually can sleep, go to sleep at a normal time and not feel groggy in the morning. So talking quickly about. Uh, 2019, uh, let's just focus on playoffs. Like, 
what was your favorite moment? Like what, you know, what moment, you know, do you now watch again and kind of get those chills and goosebumps up, up your back? Well, I, I don't think there's any question. The grand slam from Howie in the 10th inning at LA mm-hmm. uh, to me was, you know, obviously there are great moments during the world series, but you got to <laughs> yeah. get to the world series. Howie doing that uh, in the 10th inning, hitting that grand slam and giving, and that was the moment you were like, Oh my gosh, they, they, they're going to, they've got something here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just blew the Cardinals doors off uh, in the, in, in the uh, national league championship series. But I think you also have to go back, you know, to the wild card game and Juan's play Juan's hit in, you know, the bottom of the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Gresham overruns the ball. They get the extra run to go ahead. People are throwing beer all over <laughs> each other in the crowd and everything like that. And and with that game, uh, I, I was actually sitting in the crowd that night with my daughter. And, you know, just to have her be a part of that. She's 12 years old, an incredible baseball fan, loves sports. But uh, baseball is her first love. She still walks around almost it, once or twice a week. She'll come down for breakfast and uh she'll have youtube on her phone and she's listening to charlie's highlights of that 2019 playoff run she can (laughs) recite every word charlie and dave have said uh during that playoff run and all the big moments uh but but that's what happens when you have moments like that fans fans can remember where they were they can remember every word and and that's what makes it so special but seeing dc baseball fans who for lack of um lack of things that I'll never understand uh, have been criticized an awful lot as those of us that work at the fan know, Um, you know, there are some people that want to tell you baseball or Washington wasn't a baseball city. And uh, you know, talking about how uh, you know, it may sure we may not, maybe we don't sell out a Monday night game uh, against the Padres or something like that, but nobody else does in major league baseball for the most part either. Mm -hmm. So in the big moments, those fans have been there, and they delivered during the postseason in 2019. That place was ridiculous. Yeah. And to see people just so joyous and jo- joy- jovial throwing beer. I mean, think about that. That's $12 beer they're throwing all over each other. You know? <laughs> yeah, you have to uh, be careful. <laughs> yes. I mean, you got to be like, I just threw a $12 beer away. Oh, it doesn't matter. We just, we're, just, we're going to beat the Brewers. We beat Josh Hader. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, that, I think those, those two moments – outside of game seven of the world series uh, will always stick out for me. I'll tell you the other moment that will stick out for me, even though it had actually nothing to do with the actual game play, seeing the Washington fans and how they were cheering. Let's go Joe. When Joe Ross was yeah. walking out to the bullpen from the really dugout cool. yeah, and, yeah. and that start, start for Max Scherzer, that shows me right then and there that, that Washington baseball fans get it because it's easy to cheer when the game is going on and stuff like that. But that was a moment they're like, hey, we got to lift Joe Ross up, and we're going to do that. We're, and they, they were into it well before the game started, and that, that to me was as much as anything showed you uh, that, that Washington has indeed arrived as a baseball city and a baseball fan base because they understood the moment and, and they stepped up trying to lift up their player. Uh, at that point, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I was definitely, I mean, I was in the stands uh, for that. Um, I was 
at game three uh, and five and then the LA game. I didn't go to any NLCS because I was trying to save up all my money for the World Series. Um, so what was it like really quickly? What was it like for you to see a World Series game, you know, for the first time, like in, you know, what was it, 86 years or whatever? You know, up did you go? I'm assuming that you did. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. no doubt. Yeah, we were hosting shows from our big red box out in the left field. <laughs> Uh, during the home games yeah during the home games and um you know look i mean to be able to see we see spectacles and sports all the time Mm -hmm. on tv but to actually be there and live that and be a part of it and to see your fans and the people that you interact with on the radio all the time and on social media all the time but being there and sharing that moment with them um, was just amazing. I mean, it, it's just, I, I, there were a couple of times where I was, you know, I'm just like, man, I'm just looking around and taking it all in going, man, I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> you know, uh, this is our city. This is actually happening here because let's face it. I mean, you know, until the Capitals broke through in 18, you know, we really, we, we've really been heartbroken at times as a fan base, but we've been waiting a long time. You know, I mean, you'd have to you go back to D.C. United's title run uh, in the 90s. Before that, the the Redskins winning the Super Bowl in 91. I mean, we're, we're talking we'd gone a long time without a lot of, uh, you know, significant. I mean, we'd had some playoff wins and stuff like that in respective sports. but We'd never had anything significant uh, like we did with the Capitals in 18 and then the Nationals in 19. And then to see the synergy between those two franchises supporting mm-hmm. each other. Uh, out of this was unbelievable. I thought it was genius on both sides because, you know, you're marketing each other through your respective franchises. And I thought that was spectacular to me. I mean, what, what happened between the Capitals and Nationals and the, the synergy between those two teams that developed was, uh, was extraordinary. I, I thought that was one of the best things that came out of both teams winning, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I was in the stands when the Caps came uh, to Nats Park with the with the trophy and Katie Ledecky. That was a really cool moment. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you have a busy day. So thank you so much for spending the time with me. Where can people find you on social media? And then like when people want to tune into the radio, where can they find you there? Well, right now you can find me at 2 o'clock uh, every Monday through Friday on 106.7 The Fan. You can find me at Pete Medhurst uh, on Twitter. Uh, and Instagram. I am not a social media snob. If you have questions or anything like that, I'd be more than happy to answer them. Questions, comments, uh, criticisms, uh, because it's all about it's all about doing things for the audience. You know, I'm not one of those people that feels that every time I open my mouth, what comes out of it is perfect. So uh, even if you got uh, a, a friendly criticism, uh, you know, we're, we're all open to that and we all learn from it, or at least the people that care. Uh, learn from it so like i said i'm not a social media snob if you have a question or a comment be glad to interact with you uh and look i mean we all make each other better uh in many ways so uh glad to interact with folks uh because i I love sports just as much as they do and maybe we can make the experience better for each other well awesome thanks so much have a great holiday season i hope your family is keeping safe and healthy and uh hopefully we'll have some nuts baseball uh coming up in the in the spring Let's hope so. February 17th is supposed to be the start of spring training. Hope you and everybody else out there listening has an incredible holiday season. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much, Pete. My pleasure. From the fence, you know I took some lumps when the mighty case struck out.